0: On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A, we talk with author and coach Julie L. Hall about 15 bizarre and maddening things a toxic narcissist does to control you. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, everyone. With me today, I have Julie L. Hall. How are you?
1: Hey, hey, Brandon. I'm doing well, thanks. How are you doing today?
0: I am great. And for those that don't know you, you've been on our episode recently. You've been our episodes in the past. Julie L. Hall is an author, journalist, coach, and speaker whose writing has appeared in Psychology Today, Reuters, Huffington Post, The Nation, The Seattle Times, The Chicago Sun-Times, Psych Central and numerous other publications and news outlets. You are the author of the book, The Narcissist in Your Life, Recognizing the Patterns and Learning to Break Free, which is a very popular book in our support groups. Thank you so much for being here. And you are also the founder of The Narcissist Family Files, which can be found at NarcissistFamilyFiles.com. Julie, thank you so much for being here again.
1: Thanks for inviting me back. I'm glad to be here.
0: Well, you know, today, you know, you have so many great articles on your website. And today we are going to actually go through the 15 maddening and bizarre things narcissists do explained. And I cannot wait to go through this whole entire article with you, all of these points. So. Uh, you know let's just get you know get to the beginning here let's go to point number 1
1: i have number 1 here um there is there's a lot of fat shaming there's a lot of body shaming actually more than just fat shaming but um so you know as as many of us are well aware um, we live in a culture where um, there are there are shaming messages all the time about our bodies and about our faces and our physical imperfections as humans. Um, so we all face these issues. We all struggle with shame because of, namely, because we have such. We're bombarded by media per, images of perfection and and selling shame as a way to sell products. Um, Narcissistic people are particularly vulnerable to shame, and they shame others. So they, they habitually shame others. And um, so fat shaming is a really common thing that narcissistic people do to others. Um, it can be overt or it can be very subtle. But um, So judging others about their weight, commenting on weight, um, commenting on eating habits, Judging your eating habits, control, trying to control your food choices, your, how much you're eating. Um, I, you know, there. I think it's fairly common for narcissists to want to share your food. Um, they may not want to share their own food, but they want to share yours and have taste of yours. They may eat off your plate, and you know, and it extends beyond fat, fat shaming. It goes to bigger, bigger issues shaming. Shaming our, our appearance, shaming our hair, shaming our clothing, shaming our sexuality, even shaming around skin color and hair color. Um, this, even, this happens within families even where maybe a child who has darker skin than the other ch- children or a child who has dark hair and dark eyes may be maybe shamed for that um, over a child who, for example, is blonde or has blue eyes. Um, that's something that I hear about from time to time as well.
0: So, um, so you know, for, for those of you out there, you know, when you're sitting at that table, that dinner table, and, uh, you know, sometimes these things don't have to it, – it's been done so many times, the shaming, that now words don't even need to be involved. The looks – that you can get the at look. that table. Mm-hmm. As soon as, you know, you, you, your fork goes into something, you're putting in your mouth, you look across that table, it can be, you know, out of the corner of the eye. It, it can be such things so small, but you know, you know what they're thinking on the looks. Mm. It might not even be as big as an eye roll anymore. You know, it can just be a shifting of the eyes of some sort that you recognize or a body language that you know, even though it's not said, and then you might actually react to something and you might actually say out loud, like, you know, like, stop it. And they'd be like, what are you talking about? And technically they didn't say anything. And then it seems like you're crazy because it might happen in front of people and it's a real big thing to me when it comes to food because it's such a way it's not just a control thing it's and it's not just uh an overt abuse towards you it's a way to have you react and not just react uh, in front of this one person, but it could be in front of a lot of people and it can make you look like you're the crazy person in these instances and you know what's going on. No one else can see it. And I really think it's something that, uh, you know, if it's happening to you uh, with these situations, you know, you're not a crazy person and, you know, this can, this type of a, this little tiny thing here is a big one to me.
1: It is. A, it is a really big one. Yeah. Um, and um, you know what you're talking about there is that, um, within staying within plausible deniability, right? Like um, that look, the tone of voice, the little seemingly harmless comment that you've heard a hundred times, that you've grown up with. You know what it means. Other people may be oblivious to it. They may not attach meaning to it at all, but you've heard it a hundred times. You've heard it a thousand times. Um, Yeah, and it's devastating. It's devastating to a child um, because the message is you're worthless, (laughs) you're less than, and you, you have reason to feel ashamed. It's a devastating message. It's something that I see my clients, many of my clients struggle with is, not just fat quote fat shaming issues, but just body shame issues in general um yeah,
0: all right, number two on the list, they walk ahead of you yes
1: this this is i I find that you know I see these people actually I see them I have a a big park near where I live where people walk a circuit um and I occasionally see these couples uh sometimes too you know where one of them walks in front of the other one routinely every time i see them and it's pretty it's, it's a it's a it's a real giveaway right for for the narcissistic dynamic there this is certainly not all, always the behavior of narcissistic people but it can be uh walking ahead you know and it's it leaving other people behind um It's kind of this kingly, queenly superiority. It's impatience. It's this idea that, you know, I need to be in front because I'm dominant.
0: And at the same, you know, that kind of control is also, you know, I'm leading where we're going, you know, kind kind of Mm -hmm. thing. And, and this is different right. than someone being a fast walker, and someone else is is a slow walker because you do get people who are just you know they walk around town they go really, really, really fast, and you have someone who's the opposite and is laid back that 's not what we 're talking about here. This is just someone who is um, taking control of something as very simple as walking and uh, you know, kind of being like, I'm the, 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 person who's going to be leading where we're going. I'm going to maybe always be turning back saying like, Hey, you know, come on, like, what do you doing? You know, and maybe nitpicking about the situation, you know, it's a completely different dynamic than, you know, someone is a slow person and someone is a, a fast walker, you know?
1: Right. It is. It is. It, and that's a key difference um to point out yeah some of us actually do like to keep a faster pace <laughs> and that's okay but um yeah this 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 is all about dominance and power and feelings needing to feel superior and being impatient and wanting control yeah i mean even literally like want like walking away altogether i mean that that happens too right like being having that narcissistic person just walk away and leave you behind
0: so Uh, Let's go on to number three. They value the opinions of strangers over family.
1: Right. And this one, I I think is extremely common. I mean, I think it's almost built in Um, people. I think most of us experience this with the narcissistic people in our lives. Um, You know, there's, there's an inch, there's, More value placed on other people's opinion outside of the family, outside of the relationship. Um, And it seems insane. It's bizarre. It's incredibly debilitating for family members, for partners. Um, It makes no sense because we're seeing things from hey we're on the same team hey we're we're a unit we're we're a family um and that's not how narcissistic people see it um they have this sort of ongoing i have no interest in being a member of the club that would have me in it right like i <laughs> if once i join once i I've, I've gotten membership in a club i'm not interested in it anymore um and that's kind of how narcissistic people see their families and their partners um and part of it is that um, that overemphasis on image, surface image, and uh, over over substance, and um, being and being interested in pushing pushing that image or that idealized narrative um, for for the public, and for that for the superficial appearances. And and not and then not being able to sustain that at home or in the privacy you know in the privacy of home, in in the relationship, etc. I mean, it's, so um, they can sustain that you know shiny personality perhaps for short periods of time for public p- public consumption, but then that that devaluing, rageful, impatient, etc. personality emerges behind closed doors um and you know it's i think also this tendency to value strangers over over familiar people is part of it too is that um black and white idealizing versus devaluing thing that narcissistic people do where they get really easily bored and tired of people that they're around a lot and they tend to idealize the next new thing the grass is always greener somewhere else the next relationship is going to be better. Um, so they're, um, so that's often kind of driving this, this attitude as well. I think
0: next up we have, they speak in an affected way. Please do explain this.
1: (laughs) Um, uh, yeah, I, you know, um, it's it's part of that. Uh, it's part of that sense of superiority. It's it's that need to feel better than others. That belief that they're better than others, and that, that need to lord that over other people. And there's, there's there may be, there's often a haughtiness. There's often pretentiousness. Um, and in some cases, some narcissistic people um, take on, you know, an affected, theatrical, perhaps, manner of speaking. Um, they're wanting to get attention. They're wanting to demonstrate their superiority over others. Maybe they're trying to, you know, uh, show that they're smarter than other people, more sophisticated. Um, they, so they, they may be, um, you know, um, they're often arrogant in, their, in the way they speak. They, they like to think of themselves as authorities and experts. So, and they, they, there's this sort of puffed-up uh, self-importance going on there. Um, and you know, some, I've even seen narcissistic people adopt accents. Um, I, in fact, know a couple of people who um, who ha- have British who <laughs> taken on British Americans who've taken on british accents their family members don't have british accents they're not from Britain. they're not from england um and and they they just have taken this on the speech pattern on because they feel i think because they feel that it makes them sound more sophisticated
0: and just to add to this and i hope people do not get mad at me because this sounds a lot like madonna you know, when, when, when Madonna moved to England, <laughs> all of a sudden, yeah, you Ma-
1: may get some people who are angry with you about
0: that one. Yeah. All of a sudden Madonna yeah. spoke in a British accent. She'd been living right. there for what, like two years? She's from Detroit. And
1: that's right. I remember that. Yeah.
0: And, you know, she, she does have a lot of these, uh, you know, traits here, uh, when it comes to 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 effective, uh, affected, uh, speech. Um, anyway, up next, um, number five, they're weird about gift giving.
1: Yeah. And this is a big one. And, um, they, (laughs) this takes lots of different forms. So, so we know that narcissistic people, they have so much trouble giving, right? They have trouble sharing, they have trouble giving, it, there's always got to, it's They see things transactionally and, um, they want something, they, there's always that need to get something in return, right? And, and essentially they want something more in return. They want to get a better deal than the other person gets. So gift giving is a very broad issue and for narcissistic people and, um, and many of us know this very well, um. Whether it's our parents or our partner, we know how bizarre the gift-giving dynamic can be with with them. Um, so, you know, it can run the gamut from they they maybe they don't give you anything at all. Maybe they just don't bother to, to acknowledge, you know, or give you a gift for your birthday, for example. Um, or they may um, give you something that you don't, wouldn't like. And it's... Intentionally meant as an insult. <laughs> so often, this, these 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 kinds of things may play out for years, where you get really weird gifts from the narcissist in your life. Um, things that 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 if they knew you, they would never have given you. That other people wouldn't give you. That, that they would know you wouldn't like or wouldn't value or don't need. But yet they they. They give they give you these things over and over and over again and it's always done with and of course it's innocent of course it's um you know well-meaning like that's that's um that's the game right so and yet underneath that it's an intentional flight it's an intentional insult or it's or it's evidence of the fact that they can have no idea what you like or want. Um, that may be going on there too. So, um, and then they they may give things that they like that you don't that you don't have any interest in. And again, showing that they're only sort of thinking about their own reality and their own preferences and have don't really have a gauge on yours. Um, they um, they they may. Buy, buy something for you and get one for themselves, too, So, because it's very difficult to buy something nice for somebody else unless they get something, too, so that can happen, um, one for you, one for them, um, and there can be, or if they get something that you've asked for that you really do want and they give it to you, there's always going to be strength, right? There's always going to be expectations around that for something in return. Um, So there there are strings attached. Sometimes narcissistic people can be, they can take a lot of, um, of, uh, they may identify as really good gift givers. They may want to see themselves as generous. And, you know, and, but again, and that can show up in a nice way, maybe but again there's always something behind it there's always that expectation of something in return it's transactional
0: i i don't uh, wear a watch never have do you know how many watches i've received <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: exactly exactly yeah and and there's amnesia like oh what you you don't like watch. You don't like watches. You don't wear a watch, and it's a surprise every time. I don't know if that happens to you, but <laughs> it's pretty it, common. It, it
0: it boggles my mind every single time. Boggles my mind, and it will always boggle my mind.
1: And and or they know you don't wear a watch and don't have an interest in a watch, but they think it's stupid. <laughs> they think you should wear a watch and so they're going to get you another watch because they know better um, yeah or how about like a half used deodorant in your Christmas stocking or a a bag of M&M's that's half eaten uh, <laughs> I'm giving you some personal experience examples uh, yeah so it's that devaluing message I, I've i got to give something in your stocking because I'm your mom or dad. And I know that you're kind of supposed to do that, but I'm going to give you a zinger with your, with the gift because the gift is somehow <laughs> it's, it's crappy. It, it, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's been kind of ruined or used by somebody else. And,
0: and, and the big one on this list to me is the ones with strings attached where you might think, Oh my God, um, this is fantastic. Look what they got me. This is actually the thing that I always wanted and they listened, but taking that at that point has the strings attached, which can then be held over your head, uh, especially when someone's obviously being too generous about things because the last thing you want is, uh, you know, that being, you know, the reminder, Hey, you know i did you know i did this and i did this i got you that remember this thing and even you know you could have taken that once 20 years ago and mm-hmm. that's right. know, and then you never took anything since cuz you learned your lesson but that thing from 20 years ago let me tell you that can come back to oh yeah be used against you every day
1: right um and or the or the this one where um oh, okay, I'll get you that. That's very special. So I won't be getting you anything else this year for Christmas and your birthday um, or next year even. Like, there's that one too.
0: <laughs> All right. So up next, we have number six. They're prone to conspiracy theories.
1: Right. So, you know, it's it's part of that... Um, Sort of distorting reality, not you know, ongoing denials of things, having those distorted narratives. There's there's often par- paranoia, envy. They narcissistic people have a very cynical view of of of, of them of of relationships, of life in general, really. And they project their own cynicism, their own selfish motives. And their own desire to have control and power over others, et cetera, they they tend to pro- they project that all the time onto those around them, and they interpret situations in a, often in a very cynical light. Certainly feeds into um, into conspiracy theory thinking, um, you know, because of that willful denial of reality and that you know that tendency to distort. Things and projecting that cynicism outward. Um, so yeah, there's a tendency to, to get involved in conspiracy theories. Um, there's a there's a sort of often knee jerk righteousness, indignation, assumption of the worst. You know, um, assuming the worst in others. Um, it's part. It's part of that um, projecting of their own. Their own cynicism and bankrupt, you know, moral bankruptcy really is what we're talking about here.
0: All right. And now number seven, they admire totalitarian leaders.
1: Right. And, you know, this is certainly not always the case. I mean, um, these are common things that I see in, in many narcissistic people, but you know, they're not always across the board, but, but, um, you know, again, narcissistic people have a they they see they see people hierarchically. They see things in terms of dominance and submission, and they want they want to be in that dominant position. Um, and they um, tend to put people in those categories, and they tend to look up to, admire, aspire to dominant (laughs) dominant other people and they tend to you know they and as a result they can you know really sort of be worshipful um of people who are in who are authoritarian basically um and yeah so (laughs) i mean there's lots of actually data to support the fact that that um, people who are narcissistic are less socially tolerant. Um, they're more inclined to, um, you know, th- they're less inclined to um, support democracy. They're just more, you know, um, that dominant submission dynamic is how they see things and, and what they respect. And And the respect is limited, though. Once they achieve dominance, the respect is gone right mm-hmm. first for authority they're they're wanting to be the top dog and even and that's true even for the covert narcissist um it's less obvious in the covert narcissist but um, they see things hierarchically too and they want to dominate and control others they're just much more subtle about it
0: and now we have number eight on the list. They don't answer questions directly,
1: right? And this is, you know, this this is a fairly common um, behavior of narcissistic people. They, um, I mean, they're they're always wiggling out of out of responsibility. They, they, you know, they're always pivoting away from accountability. Um, and they, one of the ways they do that is to not answer questions directly. They may not answer the question at all. Um, um, they may, you know, find ways of, you know, they do dismissal. They do, they do, um, they create diversions. They often act like they haven't heard you. Um, they, um, you know, they may try to change the subject. Um, it's it's all it's all these things are are behaviors around not wanting to take responsibility,
0: right? And answering a question with a question, as far as if you're if the question you're asking them is one of responsibility, um, or I'm not going to say accusation, but Inquiring about a situation that might have gone wrong uh, to deflect that completely by asking a question right back to you as far as what you might be doing wrong would be a great way to completely take everything off of them, and uh, you know that 's what they 're trying to do here with not answering questions directly is to kind of evade what 's going on with with them and then trying to figure out where else I can point to concentrate this conversation on. And that could be on you. It could be on to someone else. It could be on a specific event or a thing, but what they're doing is doing their best to make you then concentrate on something else completely. So everything that's going on with them is overlooked.
1: Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's on, you know, very common deflective technique. Yeah. And it keeps other people off guard. And it's part of that ongoing um, invalidating behavior. So, you know, often I think that just not answering a question is a way of just refusing to validate somebody else. And and that is what they're always withholding from others, right, is a validation, a basic validation of the other person. Um. So, Yeah. I see that a lot. Yeah. Number, number nine. Um, and, and this is sort of, sort of similar to the not answering questions directly.
0: So number nine being they rewrite history.
1: Yeah. They rewrite history. So again, there, um, there, there's the denials of events. There's the, um, distortions of reality outright lies. I mean, uh, Especially about past events, they're, um, they're, they're interpreting things the way they want to see them, the way it fits with their need to frame things, and, you know, so distortions, omissions, outright lies, those are all common um, things that narcissistic people do, especially about past events. Um, yeah, and it's, <laughs> again needing to control the narrative and um, and needing to push distortions to fit their their need to push that narrative that fits how they need to see themselves and how they need to see others. So the roles they put other people in.
0: And up next, we have number 10. They traumatize you before your important events.
1: Right. So, um, and many of us know this from firsthand experience that on your important day, whether it's, you know, your wedding, um, your graduation, um, your audition, your performance, um, they, there's often a drama there's often um, a a high conflict situation. And part of that, I think, is because it's very, you know, it's very difficult for the narcissistic person to have somebody else having a big moment. They they can't stand that. They cannot stand having someone else feeling good, being happy, having success, having positive attention. Um, They see that as a loss for themselves. And and so they often sabotage other people's important events, and it's a way of undermining other people, taking away their moment, taking away that positive moment, and make and getting drawing attention back onto the narcissist. They are so um, it's it's a it's an infantile um, it's an infantile compulsion in narcissists to deprive other people of positive attention. They they almost always see that as, as as a deprivation for themselves. So if somebody else is getting something, it's a deprivation for me. And if, if they can't, if they can't take away your good feeling or your success, another thing they will do is they will align with it and they will take ownership of it. So if you had a... A successful, you know, if you performed, if you did a musical performance, well, um, mom or dad, narcissistic mom or dad, well, they're the ones who taught you how to sing, or they're the ones who they had that wonderful musical ability that they gave to you, or they paid for your music lessons. So they've got to attach themselves to your to your success if they can't take it away from you altogether.
0: So up next, we have number 11, they sleep with and or stay in touch with your ex.
1: Yeah, I I see this a lot. A lot of my clients experience these kinds of situations where um, the, say, a narcissistic parent will align with, you know, they'll have a bad breakup. Maybe they're divorced or, or broken up boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever. And that narcissistic parent will stay in touch with that ex and, or they may try to, you know, um, ingratiate themselves and kind of take over the relationship. Um, some, you know, flirting with, with your partner. Um, part of that is about, it's about boundary crossing. Like, I mean, this is, you know we all know that narcissistic people cross boundaries <laughs> they feel entitled to do so and um they um and it's a way of sort of controlling and having power over others crossing boundaries and that this is you know um this is one way that narcissistic people cross boundaries they they try to uh take over they get involved in your own relationship they Another common um, dynamic that uh, around this is like um, narcissistic people tr- trying to take over friendship, um, narcissistic parents aligning with a child's friend over the child, for example, or sort of trying to be the star and take the attention away from their kids and get their kids' friends to pay attention to them. Um, those kinds of things.
0: really common. And when it comes to this, um, people, uh, you know, don't understand that they are a party to a triangulation where they don't realize that they're a party to the triangulation or being, uh, you know, maybe groomed to be a flying monkey of sort without realizing what's going on, you know, because that in the back of the mind, the person knows that this is going to irk them. You know, they might not say it out loud to them or anything like that, but, you know, they know that the line here is being crossed. And then you have the other person that has no idea possibly that they're being used for a specific insidious thing
1: right and that's a really good really good point yeah thank you for bringing that in because that is often what is going on there right is is it is a triangulation dynamic and it's that the narcissist is controlling and that other third party often has no idea no idea what's going on they are being maybe love bombed they're being you know the the narcissist is is at maybe idealizing them, manipulating them into entering into this dynamic at the expense of that, of the partner or the child, right? And, and that, that is a very common thing. And so that, that narcissistic person then uses that other third party to, to um, undermine, to humiliate, to exclude the, the person that they're targeting, It's a very nasty thing. And if you have, you know, if you've been through, if you've been through a divorce and your parent is essentially taking the side of your ex, wow, how devastating. Um, And that often happens.
0: All right. Up next, we have number 12, they interrupt.
1: (laughs) They interrupt. Boy, do they interrupt. Um, especially the the more overt, obviously dominant type of narcissist, they they really want to dominate the conversation and they often see themselves as experts. They feel, um, you know, that they have more, um, more important things to say and greater entitlement to speak, they often do that monologuing, dominating monologuing thing where they just keep on going and they don't let other people really participate in the conversation. It is a form of bullying. Um, and the interrupting is, you know, it's, it's a super common behavior and it's disrespectful, it's boundary crossing, and it's a form of, of dominance. Um And they know they're doing it, but they feel entitled to do it. They feel that they're more important. They're also really easily bored with other people. They're not really listening. They're thinking about the next brilliant thing they're going to say, and they can't wait to say it. So they interrupt.
0: I did my best to not interrupt you while you were talking there. (laughs) I was thinking either be funny and interrupt you completely and go off on a complete different tangent, maybe about the, the, you know, the sports game last night or just don't say anything. I chose to not say anything. Thank you for that. But at the same time, I was thinking about the next thing I was going to say.
1: Well, you know, now I'm in my head about it.
0: All right. Up next. We have at number 13, they show poor sportsmanship.
1: Yeah. So we know this one, right? This is a familiar one. Um, they have trouble losing. It makes them, it, it, they experience it as a loss of faith, as humiliating. They feel they should always win. Um, and um, so when they lose, they have. They typically have a lot of trouble with it. Um, they may, they may pout. They may throw a fit. They may challenge challenge the outcome. Um, you know, and or or make lots of excuses about why they lost. Um, they want to undermine the other person's win. They want. <laughs> they they. Um, yeah. So. And they also, you know, when they do win, they tend to gloat about it because they're feeling superior. It's just one more way they're feeling better than the other person. Um, And, you know, the underlying, you know, the underlying kind of mindset in this is that narcissistic people feel like their self-worth is on the line all the time. They've got that unstable self-esteem. They've got that ongoing repressed shame that they want to keep down and keep below the surface, um, and so they're always sort of seeing, they're in survival mode and they're seeing situations as, you know, a fight for self-worth, and so um, it's not just a friendly competition, it's a, the fight for survival is how they often see things, so um, games in general can be quite unpleasant with narcissistic people there can be a lot of there can be humiliation harsh teasing um ugly gloating those kinds of things and other people feel it it's and and especially kids with a narcissistic parent um we all register that in the family we all register the, the the harshness of it but it's not just a game we're saying it's a game but it's but there's a lot more at stake. There's self-respect and respect of others at stake.
0: All right. Next up, we have number 14. They're too involved or not involved enough when you need help.
1: Right. And, um, and again, so many of us have experienced that abandonment by the narcissistic parent or partner or friend. When we're having trouble, when we're sick, if we have to have surgery, it, it, you know, if we're depressed, if we're experiencing, you know, sadness with loss, um, hardship of some kind, it's extremely common for narcissistic people to just basically not show up. Um, or if they do, they have very limited patience for it. They And again, this is about lack of empathy, right? Um, they're thinking about themselves and their own needs, and they're not engaging emotionally with others. They're not feeling it. They're not thinking about your your feelings and your perspective. Um, and in fact, when other people are having problems, um, they may they often see that they often resent that. They see that other persons needing this as a threat to getting their own needs met. So they can often be openly hostile toward other people who are in need. Um, And they see vulnerability, because they see vulnerability as weakness, um, they often, you know, attack vulnerability. They often use it as an opportunity to humiliate someone else. Um, And another thing that can happen is kind of the flip side of this, but it's a similar Kind of thing where you know if you're having a problem or a need, they they may get overly involved in that. Um, they may attach attach to it and rev up the drama, right? And drive in that drama. And maybe they see themselves as a savior, so they get really involved in quote taking care of you. But it's not really about you at all. It's about their need to be the hero or the savior or the person who knows more or the person who's healthy helping that sad other person who's who is weak or sick or needy um uh, i see this sometimes with narcissistic parents may they may tell a child as long as the ch- uh, as far back as the child can remember that parent has been telling them that they have a weak immune system, or they need special a special diet. I've had clients of mine who have been told their whole lives by their parents that they need special medications and special vitamins, and they need to be taken. You know, they need to be taken out of like normal life to protect them. And they find out later that they don't, or they have a food allergy, certain food allergies. This is; These are narratives that their parent, parent or parents have pushed. And they find out later in life that they don't even have these problems, that they're not even true, um, and that the parent has just been using this ongoing dynamic of being the, quote, caretaker uh, to feel superior, to feel of value, to get attention from other people, to get sympathy. It's a very dynamic that could play out.
0: And now we have number 15. What is number 15? Bring it home.
1: Yeah. So the, the naive <laughs> n- narcissist, um, they are cynical. Um, they interpret things negatively a lot when they're not necessarily negative at all. They're projecting that that cynicism onto others, um, but they also can be naive because they are, um, because again, they, in, in, they engage in a lot of magical thinking and denial to fit what they need to see and believe about themselves and those around them rather than to reflect reality. And so they, they and they have this black and white thinking, so that can actually also make them quite naive in situations. Um, so they, um, they, you know, they often idealize other people um, and they may be, you know, they, they can be very childlike in that way. So um, they, they often miss the, the nuances and complexity of, what it, of, of human behavior um, and, again, interpreting things through magical thinking. And the need to see things a certain way, so that the naive naivete of the narcissist in that way, when we sort of figure out what it is they need, what it is they're always looking for, can be pretty easy to manipulate them because of the naive their naiveté about things
0: so you know, Julie, thank you so much for being here once again and sharing your knowledge. This was fun. You know, obviously we're talking about terrible things, but we actually, you know, uh, we had a couple of laughs today and, and had a good time doing this. So thank you so much for, for being here uh, once again. And where can everyone uh, find you?
1: Uh, Sure. Thanks, Brandon. Yeah. Happy to be here. Um, Yeah. So you can, I, my blog is nar- narcissistfamilyfiles.com I have upwards of 80 articles on there all about narcissism and about the trauma and um, issues that we struggle with, those of us who've been on the receiving end of this kind of neglect, neglect and abuse and ways to get better. Um, and my, yeah, and I, my book is um, The Narcissist in Your Life, Recognizing the Patterns and Learning to Break Free. It is available from all major booksellers and you can order it from your local bookstore. Um, and you can, um, and I do coaching um, I am taking, I take. I have some availability, um, so um, you can shoot me an email if you're interested, or you can look on my online calendar and see what I have available. Right now I'm taking some appointments in mid-February. Um, and I, I also have a course, um, a 90-minute audio course that I'm proud of that um, is a good way to get, it's, it's, it's an overview of my my um, thinking, thinking and teachings about narcissism. Um, and it's on my, if you go to my homepage, NarcissistFamilyFiles.com, you'll go to my homepage, you'll see Listen at the top in the menu. And it's under Listen. And it's from Himalaya Learning. It's an audio course.
0: And you can be found at NarcissistFamilyFiles.com. So once again, You know, Julie, thank you so much for being here with me. And, you know, now everyone, you know, we're going to discuss uh, all the other things that we have uh, on our website. And for everyone who wants to be a guest on our Survivor Story episode, please do go to NarcissistApocalypse.com, top of the page, there's a guest form button, click on that button, fill out the form, and we will go from there. And for professionals that want to be on the show, please also do get a hold of me. Go to that website as well, NarcissistApocalypse.com. Click on that button. Even though it says guest form, it's for something else, just fill out the form, send it to me, and we'll go from there as well. I love seeing going from there. It's one of my things that just pops out of my mouth. Anyway, everyone, if you need support, come to our support group. Our support group is also at NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a support button. You click on that button, takes you to our very own safe social network. And at our safe social network, we have forum boards, we have Zoom groups every Wednesday night and Saturday night. In the new year, we think we're going to be going to an afternoon as well for the people who are in Europe and uh, who work from home or, or have to be at home during during the day. And also on there we have bonus episodes, we have ad-free episodes, and if you just want to support the show, just join the group. Support our show, support our cause, it helps a lot of people. And another thing that helps a lot of people is DomesticShelters.org. So if you or someone you know are experiencing abuse, you are not alone because .org offers an extensive library of articles and resources that can help you make sense of what you're experiencing. They can connect you with your local resources and find ways for you to heal and move forward. So please do go to .org to access this free resource today and everyone again i just want to thank everyone for for being a part of our show being part of uh, what we're doing here all the guests that we've had on over the last few years just want to send a big thanks to them as well as we're you know we're in december now closing out the the new year the stretch run as you would say, and we're going to have a lot of changes coming forward, such as, you know, the structure of the show and how we, where things are placed. And so I just want to thank everyone for, for being supportive and uh, that's it for now. Uh, Hopefully in, in future weeks, uh, this end part of the show, hopefully I'll get my old pal Melissa on here to chit chat with me and, and discuss stuff. Maybe do like an extra five to 10 minutes. Whoever wants to hear us chit chat, And maybe we'll get Vienna back on here just to do some stuff or maybe even some past guests uh, that want to come back and just have a little quick chit chat, a a catch up or something along those lines. So if you're a former guest, get a hold of me and also listen to the ads, everyone. (laughs) Listen to the ads. You know, you don't have to uh, listen to them. You can take your headphones off. Just let them play through. It helps out the show a lot. If you just let the ads run thank you. (laughs) And thank you in advance. So uh, I guess besides that, I hope everyone is doing well. And that is that. So everyone from Julie L. Hall and myself, we hope you have a good night.